Hi, I'm Nicole Zell. I'm Alexandra Marsh. And, and we're, we're the, the host, host of Follow, Follow Your Art. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we have a guest today who is not a guest artist, first time, still an artistic person, but actually a therapist. And we're going to get to her interview. And uh, she's actually my personal therapist. And we mentioned this a little bit in the interview, but you know, before we even started the podcast, Alex and I knew that we would want to have a therapist on eventually. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I go to an art therapist. So let's just have Michelle on. <laughs> um, it was nice to actually sit down with someone who's clinically in that world. So has the certs. Yes, has the certs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Enjoy this conversation we have with Michelle. It's really, really, really fun. We're here with Michelle Pava. Thank you for being with us today. I am so excited to be here and talk about everyone's innermost issues. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love it. It's not every day you meet someone that is. <laughs> She's like, that. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, no, we've been, try- we've been planning this actually before we even started the podcast because we knew, and not necessarily to have you on, but it, it worked out, but literally just we, it's so important for us to have mental health constantly in Mm -hmm. the discussion of this podcast. And then we wanted to have specifically art therapy. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. My therapist does this. And I used to bag Michelle's groceries. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there is like some weird like interconnectedness here. So do you want to tell the story of how you guys? Well, that that was really, I mean, she was one of my customers. No, but I used to also chase you around the store to set you up with my son, which did not happen, but that's okay. But like, it was like, okay, wait. I'm going to just chase her and ask her if she's, it was just such a weird thing, but whatever. You weren't, you weren't the only one. There, there was a lot of women with broccoli in their hands. Like I know somebody. Alex was the most eligible bachelorette in at Cambridge and Whole Foods in Remember downtown. How upset I was when you said you were leaving to do the goat thing. Oh. I was like so upset. Remember, weren't you like taking care of goats or something for a little I, bit? I was just farming. Yeah. Yes, you were like, farming, I'm leaving yeah. to farm. And I'm like, no, no, but we, cause we were discussing this and you were like, oh my gosh, you know, Alex. <laughs> And, well, because I've known Michelle, I've known you for years. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, but not as my therapist, just uh, just like in general, we knew the same yeah. people, but never actually met in person. But like, I came on your radio show. Yes, for wow. ago, and we right. talked about yeah, yeah, yeah. mental health yeah, and yeah. suicide awareness yeah. and everything. And then, Whoa. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think I even really. Knew that. No, no I, kn- I knew her. For, I forgot like, about that. Yeah, and we yeah. knew all the same people in Downingtown. I'm gonna say I would say almost. Well, let's see. I probably like 2013, 2014. Yeah. And I remember I looked back recently on our like first correspondences because I was just curious. <laughs> I can't even imagine and what the hell it that was would like, be. It was so inspirational. We were just like <laughs> championing each other on and like it was such good energy. And then I'm like, whoa, that's so weird that yeah. now like it because we talked about getting together and we we're like, oh, yeah, we'll do this or we'll get out for we'll yeah. get coffee or maybe I'll come for a session or whatever. And then it just never happened. Mm-hmm. And it was like perfect timing how then like I feel like it came right when I needed it in life, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. weird how stuff like that happens. But at the same time, you guys knew each other at Kimberton and I didn't know that you knew each other. And yeah, when you told me you knew, knew her, so I told I was, you that 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 she was the, doing the podcast with me, and you were like, "Wait a minute, that's the Alex that was like my favorite employee <laughs> right. of Cameron. and yeah. and then you 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 were mentioning how like the energy changed when she left. Oh, totally. Still <laughs> love Kimberton Whole Foods. 
But yeah, you was, said that like it that became was, a much brighter, better well, place. I didn't stalk anyone at that point because it was like weird then. Like you were my only stalk person, so yeah, you know, it was just regular shopping then. It, I, so. There were many a review where I got in trouble for having therapy <laughs> sessions instead of stalking. <laughs> That's why we're here now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're more aligned. <laughs> so it all worked. So here we are. The universe bringing us together again. But I want to. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, more background, not our background together, but just how like, and I don't, I don't even know actually anything really about how you got started in therapy. What made you start um, wanting to pursue that career path? Well, it is, I'm going to try to cliff notes it because yes. it really comes down to, I had issues. So I thought instead of paying a therapist, I'll just become one thinking that that would actually help, which it doesn't. You actually still have to see a therapist when you're a therapist, big surprise. But I actually started out in the arts. So I owned a dance studio. I owned a yoga studio. I got into, I consider working in the news, the arts, because it's, and I know I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but it is rarely yeah. factual. It's about who is politically holding uh, the strings for any particular news station. And I actually got very sick of seeing children come into dance who really didn't want to be in dance, but their parents wanted them to. A lot of projection of unfulfilled dreams and actually parents that should be maybe taking a dance class or, you know, diving into something for themselves, but not living through their children, pressuring their children. All of these like stage parents that were happening. And I myself had a stage parent, my father. I was in dance from the time I was two. That was because of high energy, oh my God, now wow. considered ADHD, but I considered high energy. So I was in dance at the age of two. By the time I was 13 or 14 years old, my father had me at every local dance studio each different night of the week. So I would have a variety of teachers, which is smart. And uh, Did he, he also, want to be a dancer? He was a dancer. He was a dancer. Radio <laughs> City Music Hall. Oh, he, okay. wow. he learned on his own, very talented. He was incredible. But none of the other three children went into the arts. So it like fell on me. It was like all I, I had to. Yeah. Right. Like Carry I didn't, the legacy. It was like when I was two or three, I was like, yeah, I want to dance. I want to be a ballerina. And all of a sudden I'm finding myself in dance every night of the week and then going to In Motion which was, I don't even know if it's still around, dance in Philly. So on Saturdays, my dad would drive me to Philly. So unfortunately, I never was taller than 5'4", and so I never could like be a dancer. But then I did choreography. I did choreography for the Bozo Show in uh, Philadelphia. I did all of this uh, dance party USA, Mike and Nice. You know, you know all the same people from yeah. Dancing on Air that I yes. know. That's the other connection. Yeah, it's so weird. Yes. yes. And I went by Shell during that time because I wanted to be really cool and edgy because Michelle. Shell. Well, because yeah. Michelle's so 1960s. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, well, this isn't really good. So just call me Shell. And um, so anyway, I never actually wanted to be a dancer. I did all all of that for my father. It was like all of my father and I love the arts, but then I started going into news and journalism and I did love that, but it was also very depressing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that I would just, and so it, it evolved into yoga, which was self-help and then it evolved into becoming a therapist. So when you were in media and TV and, mm -hmm. and news, did you feel like you absolutely, you totally had to be someone else and you could oh, be true to yourself? They made me someone else because right. I have very right. Spanish kind of hair, which people right now, if you could touch my hair and like put your hands through the sound vibration, you would feel very rough hair and like hair that's very unruly. Well, on air, they would like flatten it out and spray and make it shiny. And they would, um, I have a pale olive skin. But at that era, 
being ethnic was not a thing. Mm-hmm. And they would, which was very cool. They made me look like I had a little perk nose, which again, you guys can't see right now, but I have quite the nose. So <laughs> they would actually like really thin out the nose and they put like uh, two shades lighter on my face. So I, my PR pictures looked like a completely different person. Wow. So, yeah. So I physically and in every way, I was not allowed to have an opinion. And it didn't really work out for me also because I have this thing where I will laugh no matter what. And um, (laughs) there was a time at CN8 where we... uh, So you can... So when you're on... When you're doing any kind of anchoring, you always have audio connected. So you can hear what's happening in the sound room. And they're giving you feed and they're telling you things of what everybody else is doing. And I was interviewing a proctologist and they were hysterical and back there. And I could not, I'm not someone who could be like, oh, they're immature and I'm going to be serious. I was cracking up. And that was sort of like the end, the beginning of the end. So yeah, I had to be someone different because I couldn't just be like, this is funny. Like, I think if they would have went my route, people would be getting exams. Like I, like, it's funny, do it. Like they were like, you know, you have to be very serious. The proctologist so. broke you. Oh, he did. He did. There's probably another, like, I can't even look at my husband right now. Cause I'm sure he has like <laughs> something to say. Yeah. <laughs> my husband, just for other people. Also, my husband's really funny. He's behind me right now. I'm not going to put him on or anything, but uh, he has to be behind hi, me. Steve. Yes. Yeah, he has Steve. to be behind Thank me. Because if here. I look at him, it's going to like make me crack up. He's really funny. <laughs> wow. And how long did you do that career for? Um, actually, I have to ask my husband. Was that Two years, three years. Okay. Well, well, that was at CNA, but then I actually started that when I was, I started news writing and I was um, learning from Paul Gluck, who was at T- Channel 3. He's now teaching at Temple. Uh, so that was like the early 90s. I mean, that was before. Wow. So yeah. I would say there was probably a 10-year news period right. of broadcast and print journalism. Wow. So it was very depressing, though. Yeah. Because you, they, nobody, they only want bad news right. for the most part. Why is that? Uh, because that's what people generally, cathartically, I think a lot of people are negative and they are attracted to negativity. It's just the feeding the low energy. Right. Yeah. And wow. a lot of therapists do that as well. Like if you look at a lot of therapy advertisements, it's like, are you feeling broken? Are you a ship that's feeling, you know, drifting alone in the night? And I'm more like, you know, do you want to get your shitta together, yeah. which is mind, yeah. you know, so like <laughs> <Yes. laughs> shitta Sanskrit for mind. Yeah. So, um, I want people to feel like, you know, getting through therapy doesn't have to be frumpy, depressing, whatever. So then what was the defining moment of, okay, I'm going to become a therapist? I don't know that there was a defining moment. Yeah, I well, think like, it, you said you kind of, it just sort of slowly evolved. I think probably, becoming a yoga instructor, but then that attracted a whole level of Mm -hmm. everything is healed with like energetic vibrations of usually very depressed people who have no room in helping other people. So like you would attract at my studio, I would attract all of these people that were like wearing like flowy purple dresses and like really like dressing the part of like some shamanic healer. And it's like, you're just a suburban woman who's bored. Like, you know, like this is not what you're doing. Like you're going home and watching TV. So like, you're not like chanting in your backyard. So it was all of these women who, um, I started realizing like a lot of people are getting into this because they're searching for something, which I totally think is important to do. Mm -hmm. So everyone is on their path. And, you know, I went through the thing too, where everything I wore was like yoga and, I think we do tend to 
dress and portray ourselves in a way that we want people to be. So for me, I started seeing that in yoga and thought like, okay, there's got to be more. Like my whole life has been like, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. And now I'm finally just like feeling like less is more. So um, it probably was like my father with the pushing of the dance that kind of instilled in me something like that so yeah. how's your relationship with your father now like it's fantastic he has been gone for 30 years <laughs> so <laughs> i always get the last word wow. <laughs> no actually my father actually was really good he just was like very um very into the arts and wanted one of his kids to do it. So, but he was actually really funny and um, we had a good relationship, but he, he did pass away when I was like 20 years old. So then I had the guilt of like, I've got to make it for my dad, you know, and I became a workaholic. And so, um, but no, he was like, but it is true. Like, when your parents pass, you do get the last word because you can still talk to them, but you get none of their like judgment guilt. It's all, all their parents. Yeah, it's all like love. It's all like a bubble of love. And I actually, I do have in my office, which I don't know if I showed you ever when you visit it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a letter that my father wrote before he passed away. And he wrote it like months before he passed away. He told my mother to put it away. And it's like this amazing letter that he just scribbled kind of like, you're the light of my life and like all this like super positivity. And I have it framed. It was like just scribbled, written. And I, we found it after he passed away and I have that framed in my office. It's gone on every audition I ever did. Cause I did a little um, bit extra acting and stuff like that. Anything that I ever did that was in, like important that I felt like I needed a spiritual help that like glass and all, which is crazy. Like I would put the whole glass (laughs) thing with me. Like, um, but that has been with me every step of the way. And my husband, who's right behind me. (laughs) He doesn't fit as easily in a attache, but, um, but my dad does. So, uh, yeah. So a good relationship in general, even when I was younger, it's just that he was like, stage real, total stage dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then how did you, as you're getting into therapy, and, and you, now you've been in therapy for how, how many years now? <laughs> that sounded funny. I mean, but I've been in therapy a long time. Yeah, both. Uh, both. <laughs> you're looking at me like surprised. Like, when's it going to kick in? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I should have I worded that correctly. No, no, no. Um, yeah. So I've been a therapist for uh, two, th- I've actually been a therapist since 2011, 2013-ish. Okay. Um, and I actually did not have my license for about a year and I just reinstated my license only because my daughter and I are doing something together. She's coaching, but I wanted to be able to really promote her on Mm. therapy websites. So I needed to get my license back for that. And it's also helpful for people. They can now through her purchase, uh, sessions and then get it reimbursed often through, through insurance with me. So, um, so I did that, but I kind of taken a real back seat. I don't take any, I don't take new clients at all. Um, and I pretty much only work with Shucks. the clients that I have, <laughs> which with the clients that I have, I kind of give them, they can kind of see me almost any time during the week or Saturday mornings. I have some standing sessions, but it's just a handful and I like it that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it creates a very personal environment too. I mean, you, if mm-hmm. you were just, I, I don't know how therapists do it when they have booked back to back every day. Oh, I used to, it was horrible. I had to every single week have decompression therapy with friends of mine that are therapists. And now every now and then they'll say something to me. And I'm like, no, totally don't need to decompress. Everything's great. And I don't have any more passive aggressive 
pain people anymore. I don't just take, because a lot of therapists will take anybody because it's a money thing. Like no one goes into therapy because they're going to be super wealthy. So it's about how many people you can fit. And I just don't do that anymore. So, um, but I will tell you that whenever I had couples, it would actually provide a backdrop of angst for my husband, because whenever I had couples in the room, I would see like all their lies and all this like toxic and then one-on-one and then one-on-one it was like I would hear the woman going like I really hate him and I'm pretending I like him but I'm really sleeping with blah 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 and then I would hear the husband going like oh well I have like two girlfriends on the side but like I want to make it work still you know like (laughs) like I would hear all of this so by the time I would be sitting down at dinner and he was so nice and he still is nice he would like make he would say like oh even though he worked all day you had a big day, you're, you know, rough week. Let me make dinner for you. And I would sit there like, oh, you're probably making dinner for me. Cause you have like X, Y, Z going on. Right. <laughs> and I would like bring all of that to us. And it was yeah, just like, it kind of opens the floodgates of yes, possibility. Like, oh my God. People are horrible. So, um, cause especially a lot of the couples didn't want to make it work. They just wanted to point the finger and say the other person's wrong. Oh, that sounds so, exhausting. Yeah. So I, yeah, I didn't want to do that anymore. So I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. That's something so, I never thought about. Like choosing your clients as a therapist mm-hmm. yeah. oh yeah totally yeah. now so many don't and that's that's but i don't know yeah i don't know how you could possibly like mentally deal with that as a therapist um well you definitely put your walls up you have to have boundaries but i also luckily i think because i'm a little odd i have attracted people who are very creative i find very intelligent so I love, like when I have people now, it's just like, oh my God, like this person's so cool. Great. So I kind of now, uh, in the past, say two years, I'm not taking new people, but in the past two years, I would only take someone if I thought like, could I hang out with this person? Even if I thought they were a hot mess, you know, like, and I'm right. like, yes. Right. So I like then I would take that person. So how did you start integrating or did you from the beginning integrate art therapy into Well, no. In the beginning, I thought I would do everything very, like, traditional. And that quickly got old. And then I started doing more research. Did you dress the part? Were you like... Oh, my God. Remember we went out? Remember we went out and we got like therapist clothes? Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) to make me more caring. Because I'm very... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To make me more... Because I'm a little bit, like... um, blunt, direct, hard. I don't know how to explain it, but I, I have been told that I feel like I'm warm and fuzzy, but I have been told by many people that I am, okay, I'm an INTJ personality. If anyone knows anything about that. So (laughs) I am very just like, uh, I've been compared to, um, a show called house or something where the guy's like a little psychotic and just like blurts things out. (laughs) And I've been compared to that. So we went out and we got me therapist clothing that would make me more like cat, like, you know, pink sweaters and oh, things that l- are warmer, more, more like approachable. If I would not speak, you would think I'm really like approachable and like, <laughs> like nurturing. But then did Steve did, help you with this? Yes. Did he like, did. yes, I would I, tell you my problems with this. He on. did it. Cold water Creek. He was like, <laughs> buy me clothes. And he's like, this is what you should wear. I'm like, okay. So, um, which he still does help me. So I'm colorblind also. So okay. I wear, yeah. So it's a lot of leopard and black going on. So, but yeah, he actually buys most of my clothing because oh I'm colorblind and I have no style. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, stop. You have yeah. so much style. That's no. not true at all. He does. Wait, so you're, wait, you're <laughs> the man the behind the curtain? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, I never do. Because I'm always like, I'm always like, I, when I see you, I'm like, oh, your outfit's so nice today. It's him. 
That's amazing. Oh, it's him. That's Steve. awesome. So yeah. many hidden talents. So, so you you slowly st- you started very by the book, and then you were like, I gotta do something. I different. actually, I am a super creative person, and I started realizing that what was what I was supposed to be doing was not going to work for these people. It wouldn't work for me. Mm. Like sitting aimlessly and talking about my problems isn't going to give me coping skills. And also, most people think that their problem is the thing that's bothering them when it's something else. And I also, um, I'm a real big fan of Harvard research and Harvard research shows that 98% of therapy does not work. So I thought, why the hell am I doing something that has a 98% fail rate? Like that's not who I am. So I started looking at art therapy and I started doing, I joined the art therapy association, got some certifications through them. Then kind of just developed my own stuff too. And dialogue is something that people think that is associated with therapy, but it is, I have found, it is not only not the only way to help people, but it's the least effective way to help people. So I usually, which freaks most people out, as soon as they, they don't, I don't like promote myself as an art therapist. So when people come in, I'll say, okay, scribble a bird's nest for me or scribble this or scribble that. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, like, this isn't what I signed up yeah. for, like painting with a twist. So, um, <laughs> but that would actually be That's really good. Friday. <laughs> but like, so they would come in and they would do that. But from that, I started getting just this sixth sense of what was going on with them because not only what they were doing, but what they were saying as they were creating. So that was just, to me, that is, I get more from seeing a doodle from someone than I would if they talk to me for two hours. Wow. So it's very, um, or even music too. So I play the harp and um, not well, but I play it. I find that people that are having pain or depression love the lower skills. They just, uh, in a session, they just prefer those lower cell, uh, lower notes, I would say, actually more or tones. And then the higher notes are the anxious people prefer those. So you want to get someone in a therapy session to feel comfortable with mid tones. And with a harp, you can actually have the harp right next to them and just play the tones. And the harp is interesting because you could feel the vibration from it. So if I'm playing a low tone, even if you say you like it or don't like it, the vibration of it will resonate with you if you're depressed. So if you go to that mid tone area, when the people, they will actually let you know, like, oh, I don't feel, oh, I forgot that I was even in pain. It's like, no, I got you up the scales. So it's like one of those things. It's like, it's kind of getting people connected to who they are. And I feel like the arts are really the true only way that you get connected to who you are. I think we, anyone who says they don't like the arts in some way, I just think has a whole lot of blocks going on and they and this is like, if you're listening to this and you're not into the arts, like you need a, a therapist ASAP, like, because like you are messed up because only, <laughs> thank you. I've yeah. been saying like to her, the beginning of this podcast, that one thing that it strikes a core in me, like, I feel like my heart is being stabbed is when someone says, I'm just not a creative person. And I'm like, what? Everything we do, we make up like, yes, everything. And when people say that, it's like, no, you are, you just don't, you're afraid of it. Mm. Or, and a lot of people that say that are afraid of who they really are. And that's the problem. It's like, just, I mean, I had a woman who worked through, um, she had been abused a lot, her and her brother who then committed suicide, uh, a lot through her years. And she was in her fifties. And the only thing that worked for her was painting. And I kept every single painting, like from the beginning, she was with me about three or four years and her beginning paintings were just very child looking. 
very, it looked like a five or six year old did it because that was her first trauma. And as she healed, we barely talked about her trauma. We talked about everything else and we talked about just her artwork. By the end of it, her art looked amazing and she felt free of the trauma just because she was painting and just Mm. because she felt like she was allowed to be creative. And basically I just let her be a kid for the first year. And then the second year she was going through her teen years developmentally and then she got past it. So it was all just through art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't think that she was creative in the beginning. So rather than like you said, focusing on what happened and being Mm -hmm. stuck in that place, you gave her some finale. Like, right. Mm -hmm. I I find that kind of to be true too, which was, like I, I started with you this past year and I never, ever thought visual arts was a thing that I was capable of. Mm, okay. <laughs> and now, I, and thanks to you, you said, you, you need to paint. I forget which session it was, but you were like, you need to just go paint. And now I have a whole wall of paintings. That's that amazing. That I made for, from over the past like six months or so. And I feel like just by doing that and getting more mm-hmm. art in my life, it translated to not then just visual paintings, but oh. other things, jewelry making and, and things that, I always was just doing music my whole life, mm-hmm. and, and now I feel like I have so many different outlets that I was scared to embrace before that now I just do, and it's just, like, come so naturally, and I was like, what? I was the kid who was, like, failing in art class in well, school, and I was like, it's crazy. Now I'm just... And do, doing more art in your life just makes you happier. That's oh, it makes you so is, much happier. You know? So much happier. Because no matter what's happening, and actually a lot of the greatest musicians are also artists. If you look at, like, Ringo Starr and, like, of course... Paul McCartney, who is my, you oh my gosh, Beatles. Paul, if you are listening, I love you. I love you. I love you. But, um, but so it's just sort of like anyone who, and also a lot of artists appreciate music. I don't know that a lot of actual print, uh, or painting artists are good musicians because it's a, a different, like you need a different skill set. but I feel that they appreciate music more and many of them listen to music while they're creating. So, uh, but it's even the type of music that you listen to can directly affect how you see the world and everything is our environment. A lot of it, a lot of people think that their past is what is dictating everything, but a lot of it is our environment. So if you're constantly listening to negativity, whether it's a person or music, you're going to start to see the world through those eyes so, and I'm not saying that negative music is bad. I think it needs to be cathartic and I think you need to listen to it because we have a lot of anger that we don't express. And I think certain types of angry music are a great way to do that. So it's, it's just important for people to bring all of that together and to own that. And people who are artists, the problem is, and I've dealt with a lot of people, like when I say dealt with it, I don't mean even therapeutically, just like in my family, everything, um, If someone is an artist, you have to be able to have something creative that's not your work. So I have a a relative who is an amazing pastel artist, and that is his career. And he has a hard time of creating art if he's because that's not really a creative outlet for him. It's a creative thing that he does for a living, but he needs to do something different to get that creative outlet in. It's And that's exactly what you did for me, being a musician my whole life for 10 years, doing it as my job. I needed something else. And I've always had little things, but not like the way what happened once I started going to you, for sure. So I 100% agree with that. If you're doing it as your job, you need some other kind of outlet. You're going to lose your you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. Something that sticks out that you said, like the key is recognizing 
like if you're listening to dark music, when you said about the harp and mm-hmm. and noticing what vibes you're you're on, yeah, mm-hmm. like not just if you're just constantly listening to kind of dark or whatever music or happy music, yeah. and not recognizing that what's going on there, there's a relationship that's happening with that energy exchange. Mm-hmm. But why are you resonating with that? And that yeah. reminds me of, I know, I'm sorry, I keep talking about this, but <laughs> our first session, you, I, and I can, I can say, I can say this because I'm, I am allowing everyone to know about this. Michelle can't say anything, but I can. <laughs> um, so should she disclaimer. pass or fail? Yeah. No, I'm just no um, but when you, when you uh, hooked me up to the oh, brainwave, what yeah, is yeah, it called? Neurofeedback. The neurofeedback. You, she literally hooks you up to this thing and then it, it shows on her computer where your brainwaves are. And mine were very depressed. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. depressed. Not so much anxious, but it was like, it was the low thing. Like right. you were saying, not the mm-hmm. anxiety, but the low. And, um, and you, and I remember you saying like, you need to very, very, be very careful about what you're putting in your mind, what mm-hmm. music you're listening to. Don't listen to anything depressing or even, you know, watching, like watching shows, TV, whatever, like right. be very mindful, like the next few weeks or whatever it was to just not surround yeah. yourself with anything of like low vibration. Yeah. And I never, I never thought, I like, I've thought about that before, but I was really like, whoa, I I, I, I should not do that during the Yeah, it's process. almost like a diet. Like, yeah. during certain healing, like, you should not eat, like, if if someone does eat dairy, like, during a head cold, you don't eat dairy. Well, when you're feeling depressed, stay away from negative music. You can totally, when your resilience is back, do whatever you want. But if you're struggling in any way, and also another thing is that a lot of times people think they're anxious and it's really depression. So what happens is if you can imagine, um, like, a seesaw and depression is at one end and your body has to compensate to keep you from being depressed, what will happen is it will create anxiety to get to try to have that balance. So a lot of people think that they're anxious people and they're really depressed people. And I think in general, most people have both and don't realize it. I, for years, used to just think I was only anxious, high energy, but that was a lot of my coping strategy for not feeling like, like a potato, you know? So like I would have to just like keep it up, keep it up. And then I would get exhausted. So that's another thing that people listening should think about because I know a lot of creative people think they're more anxious than depressed. So, but it's really depression just masking itself so that they can just survive and keep going. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned a lot about music and visual art, but I know you're a big proponent proponent of writing, journaling, yes. dancing, movement, keeping your body going. Definitely. Um, so you use all, all of those kind of methods depending on who you're working with, of course. Yes. And some people don't really want to do it. And I'll say, wear, wear sweatpants next time. And they'll say, well, why? <laughs> because they're probably wondering why a professional is asking them to dress, <laughs> dress <laughs> a certain way. Wear red. But like, um, but like, so I tell people like, you know, and it's very obvious. My office has yoga mats in the corner and stuff like that. And, but I will tell people like, you need to stretch a little bit. You need to do this a little bit. And you can tell a lot about someone if they cannot touch their toes or if they can't do this or that. So are you okay? Is your My stomach-, stomach is like gurgling. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, shh, shh not now. Sorry. I have a banana Sorry, in my purse. <laughs> at all times with me it's my go-to i just need to touch my toes that's all (laughs) tweak what can you tell what can you tell if they can't touch their toes oh that they're inflexible okay like literally their mind i'm gonna tell everyone a quick thing that they can do if they can't touch their toes it's a way that you psych out your brain you lean against a wall 
And so you have your backside and your lower back against the wall, and then you put your feet about six inches, eight inches out in front of you. So you're definitely on a little bit of a, like there's like a little bit of a V space at the bottom of your legs and the wall. And then you just slowly walk down your body and touch the floor. And what happens is the more pressure you put on your back, your, your mind is saying like, oh, this is not a big deal. I'm not really touching my toes. And most people can touch their toes at that point. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I could do this. But the minute they move away from the wall, they can't wow. because it's just a mind thing. So most people, if they lean, can totally touch their toes because they wow. get more relaxed. It's like they allow control to just release. They surrender. So I think for the second portion of we, this... We want to ask the questions that some listeners Yeah, gave us. because yes. we thought... so. You know, I'll you know in the um, later I'll talk about this, but this is a really personal uh, issue for me um, because I have some near and dear ones that are really facing some serious stuff, and they can't find help, they can't afford it, or everyone's booked up, um, or now that I know, they might just not be (laughs) the right choice for the therapist. I don't know, (laughs) but whatever it is. It's just like, oh, so I thought this was such a cool opportunity to just get some questions in. If you are struggling with finding someone to talk to, if you have any dire things that you want to know now, maybe we can ask Michelle. Yeah, definitely. And also on, on that subject, what, what would you recommend to people who, who do need help? Um, number one, my YouTube channel, (laughs) (laughs) because I actually speak a lot about a lot of, a lot of what I went through in helping people can actually be, it's a lot of, uh, you can recreate it through YouTube and it it can help a lot of people. So, and there's a lot of different channels too, that are very helpful, but mine is just YouTube at Michelle Pava. Um, but also you could do uh, better help is an online and affordable option. I'm now a partner with them. Nice. So I help them, but I don't actually do therapy with them. So I'm not one of their therapists, but I help them. So you could use better help. They can even do texting, which I feel is so important because, and I tell, and this is why also I like a smaller group of clients. When you go into session, that's usually not the worst moment of your life. Like you're actually feeling relieved and you might forget things and, it's usually what's happening between session where it's hitting the wall and that's where you need help. So I think it's important to have someone and really get a therapist who's not overworked, who will text with you. And I know that a lot of therapists right now are going to say, Oh, that's boundary crossing, blah, blah, blah. That's bullshit. Because you know what you're on. I know almost every therapist that I know has at least one client that's on their social networking. And it's really how much you want to invest in your client and they're paying you great money and they are, and this is hard-earned money, and they're stressed, and they're making money and paying you. Like To be stressed and to have to work and to pay a therapist is a lot. So I think that you should find a therapist that at least offers in-between session emails or texting or something. That's what so. Nina said. Like her, She went through a series of therapists, and she said the one that stuck, I like, feel like she, we're friends. You know, mm-hmm. she's, yeah. She sent her to a residency. Like Our it was, first guest. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's that. Those are great resources, and we will leave your YouTube in the description, and also BetterHelp too, because you're right. That's a great resource. Um, so yeah, you want? Should we ask some questions about rapid we, fire? We, did a little, we, we all posted on our social medias of what people would want to ask a therapist, specifically art therapy related mm-hmm. questions. So, um, what's a good first step for someone who's never even had one art class? I want to express myself, but I always get anxious on how to even start. Okay, this is going to sound so funny and not like it's therapeutic, 
but look at a Bob Ross video, right? And we actually did this for a date night and it was the funniest (laughs) thing in the world. So you put on a Bob Ross video and you get whatever you need, like watercolors, even if you're using crayons, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't have to be hardcore or whatever. So you just have to do it at the same pace that he is. You don't stop it and do it. So like when he's like, okay, now we're going to do a quick mountain. You don't like stop the video and perfect your mountain. You just do it because that forces you to make mistakes and be okay with your mistakes. So people traditionally that are having a hard time with getting into their art are really concerned about making mistakes or it not looking good or something in that way. So if you can get through a Bob Ross video and then laugh at yourself, then you're going to feel confident to do whatever you want to do. So I think that that is truly a first step. And also if if there's any couples out there, I highly suggest that for a date night. That's awesome. I was going to ask Benya's question. What are, and I don't know if you, you might know this or not, or if there's even any science behind this, but what are the reasons involved with getting chills slash goosebumps when listening to something that moves you? Oh, there's a part of your brain that is actually stimulated with the arts very much next to emotion. And people think of the arts as emotion because it's so close to that part of the brain. So there is an actual visceral feeling that comes to it. And that's why when people say, oh, I'm not creative or I'm not whatever, I'm like, yeah, it's a little too close to the brain. Like it's sort of impossible. So it's too close to the brain um, or those two areas are too close together for it not to be a thing. So everyone, everyone, everyone has, has it. it. just need to tap Like into unless it. you, and if you actually are, if you are saying that you truly don't have it, that you are, you're actually saying that your brain is informed correctly. So yeah, are you I, a sociopath? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like there's you're saying science isn't real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're saying science isn't a real thing and you're like, you should be in the Guinness book. Like there's yeah. no way, like your brain is doing that. Yeah. So, wow. mm-hmm. Okay. I have, um, what is the link between creativity and mindfulness? Well, that's a good question. I, act, I don't really think that there is a link because being mindful is being aware of the moment, but being creative is losing the moment. So there is my favorite, favorite author. I'm going to say his name probably incorrectly. Mihaly Shishmihaly. Okay. He is, he has the book Creativity and another book, Flow. I highly suggest anyone who's creative to get those two books and read them. So being mindful is being very aware of the moment, which is great, but being creative is losing yourself. So truly being creative, you lose track of time. You, whether like I sing very poorly just to relax, like to have fun. I could easily go three hours straight singing and go, wow, like three hours went by, got to get some dinner going for the husband, you know? So, um, and that is actually what happens sometimes. Like I see him come home and I like quick turn everything off and I run and act like I've been just like, oh, I've had a really rough day, but I've been like singing for three hours. But, um, so, and then he also, this is something you don't know. And sometimes you go, oh, I know you've been working so hard. Let me make coffee. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But he has no idea. So I'm owning it right now. Like, I've been singing for three hours, doing nothing. This did turn into an an intervention of sorts. (laughs) Yes. So not all the time, but it does happen. But so (laughs) when you lose yourself in, in the arts, you should lose yourself. And I do believe that if more people were creative, they wouldn't need to be so mindful. I think it's more important to be creative than it is to be mindful. And And this is where I also had a problem in the past with yoga because a lot of people in yoga and a lot of therapists will make such a focus on mindfulness, learn meditation. And I'm like, "Eh, not so much because you can, 
you can be a hot mess and sit there and meditate. It's going to just make you more of a hot mess because the way you're thinking is wrong. Because you're trying so hard. But literally creativity, when you're doing something creative, I feel like you actually tap into what that meditative state is. By yes, just that's true. Spacing, you're spacing out and you're just doing it. So that's true. attainable. Maybe more so than like really trying to concentrate. Like, okay, I, I gotta meditate. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or fall asleep. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My sister asked me. She's like, "What's the difference between your morning meditation and a second sleep?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it depends right. on the day. <laughs> That's funny. Um, techniques for enjoying the creative process without trying to obsess over the outcome. Well. There's two different ideas on this. I say what's wrong with obsessing over the outcome. Like a lot of people think that's a bad thing. Oh, that gives you so much space. That's yeah, like, right there. Yeah. So like try to obsess over the outcome. Actually, if you try to obsess over the outcome, you'll probably do the opposite anyway. So you'll get fed up and just say, I'm just going to enjoy this. But I do feel that when you obsess over something and it creates a block because you're becoming a perfectionist, that's where the problem is. So like writer's block is not about obsessing over the outcome. It's about having a lack of creativity because you've become a perfectionist. So that's really what that comes down to. So I just feel like it's better sometimes to allow yourself to be whatever it is you're feeling. You need to work that out. So. Wow. What's a good first step for someone who's never even had one art class? I want to express myself, but always get anxious and about how to even start. Wait, my, I, we, we asked that one. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? My, this, hand, oh. my hand, colors, voice never flows the way I expect it to. Angry Ooh, face with, angry the, with face. the puff coming out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the issue was anger. <laughs> <laughs> so she needs to release anger. So <laughs> I would highly suggest... Okay, so there is something that I did want to get back with with that is that when you are feeling like you need a lesson... You're already in, it's okay if it's the mindset that you go into something. So if I feel like I need a lesson with say pastel art, you know, then I'm looking for techniques to get me to, to a different level. But if I'm looking to just express myself, no one can teach you that. Like zero people can teach you how to express yourself. You just have to do your own thing and you have to be okay with, it's not going to look like someone who's skilled in a certain way. So you have to be okay with developing something. And the reality is, is that a lot of what you develop is your kind of signature walk or something. It's your signature thing. So flare. Yes, it's your it's your thing. When when Monet started doing what he was doing, he wasn't like, oh my God, I need to like study with XYZ and look like someone else. He just did his own thing and that became his signature, you know? So I think that people need to just be okay with that more. I mean, it, getting lessons in skill is important if you want to take it to a different level, but just to express yourself at first, you know, a, once you relax, you're going to see that you can pick things up very easy. That's why when people say that they can pick up music or dance or whatever, just by looking at something, it's because they're not putting a lot of stress on it. They're just enjoying it. So you're the only one that can ever create what you're going to create. So yeah. just to go do it. Yep. I think that's a perfect way to end this. Um, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the show. We're going to leave 
Uh, obviously, Pave a Psych. We're going <laughs> to leave the link for that. Leave the link for uh, BetterHelp. And they'll also leave the link for, I just want to mention really quick, your skincare business, too. Mm-hmm. I also do psychodermatology, which is the skin-mind connection, which Whoa. no one really thinks about. Yeah, and, never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, so basically, every time you have an... Like, say you're embarrassed and you blush, that's a skin-mind connection. And a lot of teenagers who are feeling insecure, so they have acne. It's not just all biology, but biology is also dictated by what you're thinking and how you're feeling about yourself. So if you feel like, I don't want anyone to touch me, but I want to be attractive, like, you could get acne, you know? So there's a lot of physical or mental and biological issues that create skin issues. And I just wanted something that was very vegan, very healthy. And when I say vegan, I want it like no negative energy attached to it whatsoever. Nothing died to make it happen. Um, And it's very, very healthy, very high quality ingredients. And it's really just to help people to pamper themselves more. And if anyone, I don't care if it's Estee Lauder, Chanel, Clinique, if anyone says they're going to cure anything, First of all, that's illegal. Uh, skin changes every 28 days. And it's more so that you're actually physically giving yourself um, skin to skin touch. So when you get a new product and you're like, wow, this product's really working, it's probably because you're it's a novelty and you're washing your face more or putting the lotion on more. It has nothing usually to do with the actual product. So I am here to tell you right now, my products, nor Estee Lauder or anyone else, are going to be a huge game changer for you. It's more about your mind, but it is about learning to pamper yourself and learning to put items on your skin that topically will change cells from the outside in. But everything about your skin is from the inside out. It is an organ. So, Wow, that's fascinating. Yes. <laughs> It's amazing. Yes. It's the whole science behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have all of those links. Definitely check in the description. Thank you so much for coming. Thank on. you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Spreading mental health awareness and art therapy awareness and everything. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been awesome. So as always, we like to end our show with our little mantra. We like to take a deep breath before we start. We can all just take a little breath. <sighs> May I love myself. May I love others. May I have joy for myself. May I have joy for others. May I inspire myself. May I inspire others. May I love to live. May I live to love. May I live to create. May I create to live. You can be part of the Follow Your Art fam by subscribing to the podcast and following us on social media. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash followyourartpodcast. And our Instagram is Instagram.com slash follow your art underscore podcast. We'd like this podcast to be a community experience. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to explore, or if you'd like to submit your art to be featured on all our social media platforms, feel free to email us at followyourartpodcast at gmail.com. A quick thank you to Benya Varshai for providing the intro and the outro music, our studio helpers. You've been listening to Follow Your Art.